We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I like when people just talk to me. Uh, gets me going. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun, man. It's basketball. Uh, there's going to be a lot of trash talking, and I like it. It's fun for me. Uh, uh, it's competitive basketball, and I like it. So I don't care about say as long as we win, you know. If we win, I'm good. So uh, the sticks really don't, don't, don't matter to me. Uh, but if we win, uh, it's, it's going to be amazing, you know. We got another game. Uh, I think we won uh, this game uh, on a defensive end. And we got another game, and that's, it's fun, man. It's playoffs, and we're going to give our everything. Hi, this is Luka Doncic, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. This is the latest installment of Mavs Step Back Live on Spotify Live. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find me at Dalton underscore Trigg on Twitter, and the pod account is at Step Back Mavs. The Mavs, they they came out and they showed some pride, and they won game four at American Airlines Center to make the Western Conference Finals 3-1 now. They avoided the sweep. Luka was great. Uh, he had 30 points, 14 rebounds, uh, nine assists. Uh, he played some good defense. And, you know, the Mavs just overall, what's been the biggest key in this, this series or the biggest difference so far that they actually made their shots. They got the same quality shots that they've gotten in previous games and they were just hitting them and they sustained that for the most part, uh, throughout the game. They, they built a lead as big as 29 points. Um, and, you know, the, they only won by 10 because, uh, Jason Kidd, he, you know, th- this is one thing that I wanted to talk about today, too. You know, I've seen people over the course of the season when the Mavs have a sizable lead and they'll say, oh, well, why isn't Jason Kidd resting his starters? You know, why Why is Luka out of the game? Why is Dorian Finney-Smith or whoever, why, why, aren't, why aren't they on the bench by now? The start of that fourth quarter in game four is why, <laughs> it's why Jason Kidd doesn't bench guys uh, until it's just absolutely, absolutely, you know, a sure thing that the game is over because they almost blew. Like Josh Green started the fourth quarter with Frank Nilakina and Davis Bertans, you know, all of them on the floor at the same time, and you know Jalen Brunson was the only starter on the floor to start the fourth, but it was just a disaster. Like Josh Green, he was a negative nine in two minutes of play. Like how? 
How does that happen? <laughs> His minutes this series, like when he got some minute, he got a he got a few minutes earlier in the series, I believe. But you know the minutes he's been getting, I mean, they're just detrimental. And I mean, it's nothing against Josh Green. He is he is a good prospect. I mean, he's shown promise this year. He's learning. Uh, but you know, it's just it's not the time. Uh, to be playing him right now. He needs to go and play in the summer league this summer and, you know, continue his development and come into next season and, you know, continue from that point on. But now is not the time for uh, for green learning. But anyway, uh, the Mavs, they, they had some nervous moments there in the fourth. That 29-point lead got down to single digits. I think it got down to eight with like 3.30 left in the fourth. And then, uh, you know, Steve Kerr decided, oh, well, we're, we're within striking distance now. So he put his starters back in. And then Luca and the, and the rest of the Mavs, they, they put them away, uh, put it out of reach, hitting a couple clutch shots. And, uh, the Mavs ended up with the win. So now we have a game five in San Francisco. Uh, the Mavs have shown that they're capable of playing well enough to win on the road. Uh, they just, you know, they have to finish things out. They can't, they can't, they, they have to come out in the third quarter like they did in game four and be the more aggressive team and play with high energy. And may, you know, that's one, that's one reason why the Mavs are three, and know, in elimination games so far this postseason. you know, they, they just have a different level of, of energy. Uh, when you, when you're going into a game and you know, like, this is it, like if we lose, there is no more basketball. We're done. You know, that that brings out the best in this team. Now, I don't know if they can do it for, you know, three more games and become the first team in NBA history to come back from 03. But, you know, given the character of the guys on this team and, you know, what we've seen uh, throughout the course of this postseason and even in the regular season, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. But, you know, it, it's very, very unlikely because no other team has ever done it. But, you know, when they have – when you have Luka Doncic on your team and you have a bunch of guys that, you know, believe it, believe in each other and, you know, there hasn't been anything to suggest that they won't continue to get high-quality shots going into game five and possibly beyond, I mean, there there's no reason to have a little bit – not to have a little bit of – faith that the Mavs can make this interesting. So we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. So a couple more things I'm going to mention, but, uh, before I do that, just wanted to say if, you know, y'all know the drill, if you want to come up here and talk, uh, I don't have my co-host Matt Galatson with me today. Um, uh, I don't have any plans to have anybody up here. I just wanted to come and talk about the game five. I mean, the game four win and kind of preview, you know, what to expect going into game five. So if anybody wants to come up here and talk and, you know, kind of go through what you were feeling as the Mavs were uh, winning so big in game four and, you know, what you're personally expecting for the rest of this series, please come up. I'll get you up here and just keep it on mute until you start talking for quality, audio quality reasons, and we'll go from there. But, um before we get to that, though, uh, I did want to mention, and I mentioned it in, in the first take I did of this before the audio started acting so weird, uh, but Mark Cuban, like, can we do something about the American Airlines Center roof? Like, obviously, the the, the, the tape that they used to, 
<laughs> the flex seal or the flex seal tape or whatever it was that they used to kind of patch up uh, the roof the last time they had a, a leak. It obviously didn't work because it was leaking at the same exact spot than it was earlier in the season, and it caused a, an unfortunate rain delay. And maybe, I mean, I, that's the thing. It's like the Mavs, they came out in the third quarter. Uh, they played great. They they uh, blew out the Warriors in the third quarter pretty much. But, you know, then you have people saying, oh, well, you know, the rain delay – it kind of slowed the Warriors down who are tip, you know, they're typically dominant in that quarter. And so you have stuff like that come up and I mean, maybe there's something to it, but I think it's more just, you know, that the Mavs were facing elimination and they thrive in that situation. Cause you know, the, the Warriors, they even mentioned, you know, Steph Curry after they went up three uh, Oh, after game three, he said something about, uh, the Warriors were playing with house money now. So that kind of indicated that they were already kind of, you know, taking a, taking a lean back a little bit. Like, oh, we got it in the bag. We can take our foot off the pedal a little bit. But if you play with your food, you know, stuff can happen, especially if Mavs come, come into, uh, San Francisco and win game five. Then things start to get really interesting as things shift back to Dallas. Um, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. The the rain delay happened, and uh, we'll see if the Mavs can replicate what they found in game four heading into game five. But uh, the shooting, especially from Reggie Bullock and Maxi Kleba, that's the biggest thing that's going to, you know, determine how far the Mavs can stretch this, how – how much can they make the Warriors sweat? Because in game three, those two combined to go 0 of 15 from the field. Uh, in game four, let's see, Maxi, I know Bullock, he was 6 of 10 from the field. He, it was all from three. So uh, he had a big bounce back game. Uh, given the minutes that he's played in this postseason, it's kind of incredible that, you know, we're still having – these type of game, you know, like if, if Reggie Bullock came out again and shot a Ofer <laughs> night, it wouldn't, it, it really wouldn't shock me because I mean, he's played the most minutes in this postseason out of any other player. And Dorian Finney Smith is second out of all the players in, in the, in the playoffs, those two have played the most. They're over uh, 600 minutes. Uh, let's see, Reggie Bullock, he's getting close to 700 minutes now. And before last night started, the top two Golden State players in minutes played uh, were Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and neither of them had eclipsed uh, 500 minutes yet. They were they were still in the high 400. So that kind of shows you the difference in rest. You know, that, that's one reason – why that seven-game series with uh, the Suns was kind of a, a bad thing for the Mavs. It was great that they were able to come back and win it, but, you know, the Warriors, they got four extra days of rest before the series started. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about how they want, and Mark Cuban even tweeted about it last night, how they need to tweak the play-in tournament to where when you get to these conference finals games, you have an extra day of rest in between the games, or at least the games where you're going from one city to the other. Now, you know, the first two games in Golden State or 
you know, the next two games in Dallas, if they just want to have one day in between those, that's fine. But especially on the travel days, I think, you know, everybody kind of wants the, uh, the extra day in there. But there's two ways you can look at this. You can look at it as the Mavs, you know, not having enough rest and they might potentially come out flat in, in game five and all that stuff. But I mean, do you really want to give Steph Curry and the, and the rest of the Warriors another day to rest too, to be completely fresh? I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, the Warriors, uh, their main guys are a little bit, uh, older than, than the Mavs main guys. So, and Steph Curry, he kind of, I don't, I don't think he, actually popped up on the injury report today but you know at, at some points last night it looked like he had hurt his quad a little bit uh when he got caught up on a screen so and he went seven of 16 shooting so maybe that had some kind of effect on him so who knows i mean i don't personally think it's a huge deal uh when you're in the heat of the moment and the adrenaline's flowing and everything but i mean the fact that Bullock and Finney Smith are still playing the way that they are uh, after playing so many minutes is kind of remarkable, even when they have less than ideal performances, uh, you know, every every other game or so. But, yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith, 23 points, 9 of 13 from the field, uh, 4 of 7 from 3, 6 rebounds. Like I said, Reggie Bullock had 18 points on 6 of 10 shooting, and then Maxi Kleba – uh, he was five of six and hit two of his three three pointers for for thirteen points. And how about Maxi getting eight rebounds? Like I don't know. It's one thing I mentioned in uh, my my piece for DallasBasketball.com leading up to to Game Four, but it's really embarrassing how bad the Warriors have beat up on the Mavs on the boards. And it's not just because of Kavon Looney either. It's, you know, going into Game Four. Steph Curry by himself had 25 rebounds and Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba had a combined 15, <laughs> which is, which is absolutely re- like, look, I get it. I, I understand that Dwight Powell, his arms aren't long enough to what they need to be for a starting center to, to grab rebounds. That's why he bats everything out instead of just going up and grabbing it. Uh, and I know Maxi Kleba is more of a stretch big and he's being forced into a, into a five roll, <clears throat> but man, I mean, you just can't, you can't get out rebound out rebounded by Steph Curry, uh, by double digits between two of those guys. Just can't happen. Cannot happen. Um, uh, and the Mavs, they finally won a game on the boards. They won 45 to 42. Uh, they had, let's see, Let's see. They lost the points in the paint battle. They <laughs> a lot of that was because at the end they were just giving up so many easy layups and, and there was like zero resistance. But um, yeah, offensive boards. The Mavs they got four of them. They limited the Warriors to six. Uh, that had been a real problem in the previous game. Second chance points for uh, for Golden State, but. The three-point shooting is the biggest difference, 20 of 43 on the night. And, again, it's the same exact looks that, you know, they've gotten in the in the previous game. So we'll see if it can carry out. I mean, I, I believe in the uh, regression to the mean stuff. I mean, when you're getting the same type of shots, just game after game after game, and they're just not falling. Like, at some point, you figure, you know, they're going to have to start falling. So, 
hopefully that continues into the next into the next uh, game and the Mavs can force a game six. Anyway, I have rambled on for a while now. We're going to start bringing up some people. Uh, first guy in the queue is our guy Austin, return guest. Austin, what's up, man? How you feeling after the Mavs finally got on the board? I'm feeling pretty great. Um, eternal optimist uh, like like yourself. So I'm looking at it as Mavs should be up 3-1. You know, we pooped down both legs in game two. So if you take that away, you know, we're right there. And then if literally anyone hits a shot in game three, we might win that one. So basically we're up 3-1. All we got to do is just go close it out at this point. So uh, that's how I'm looking at it. Uh, just a few things from the game. I feel like I feel like the Mavs just have to be better at attacking the Warriors guards, especially when they are in foul trouble. And it just drives me nuts to see a guy like Jordan pull out there with five fouls and no one's going after him. Like he's he's basically a traffic cone on defense to begin with, but when he's got five fouls, like you have to attack that. Like, would you agree, or did you see that in the game last night, or uh, maybe, maybe I'm off on that? But no, 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 no. You're you're 100 correct. And I mean, look, they. That's one of the things that was so confusing about the first couple of games in this series. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
you know, even in the second game, they were up 19. They still weren't attacking Poole or Curry as much as they should have been, uh, you know, especially Poole. But, you know, that that's one of the things coming into the series. It's like, okay, the Warriors are like an offensive juggernaut. They, they're, they're all on a string. They pass the ball extremely well. It's kind of a random type of offense, so it's really hard to guard. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the flip side to that with that death lineup is what, you know, what the Warriors call it is, you know, Curry and Poole's defense. So, yes, I, I agree. They, they should have attacked him more, especially uh, given that he had five fouls. But, you know, even – even if they weren't trying to foul him out, they should be attacking him regardless. And I think that needs to continue to be the strategy going into uh, going into game five because Jordan Poole, he can't – and, I mean, it was mostly Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, driving on him and getting some of those fouls last night too. But, you know, Jordan Poole just can't guard him. He can't. I mean, Jalen Brunson's too strong. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole, he's very versatile and he has some really good – uh, footwork on the offensive end, but it just it doesn't translate to the defensive end, and that's where the Mavs should try and take full advantage in Game Five. Okay, I, I, that's exactly how I felt, and you know, I just feel like going into Game Five, it's almost like the game plan doesn't really change that much going forward. It it just seems like. Kind of like Kid said the other night, he caught some flack for it. But if the shots are going, it allows us time to get back on defense. You know, it really is to me just a matter of are we making shots, which sounds really like elementary and and simple. But, you know, I just think we hit our jump shots, drive the basket, try to get to the rim. Then – we can get right back in. It's just one game at a time at this point. And, you know, I think I saw on Twitter last night, someone said pretty bold strategy for the Mavs to set themselves up for only elimination games from this point on because they're, that was my, that was my tweet. I'm glad you remembered that. (laughs) Was that you? Okay. I couldn't remember who I, who I saw that said that, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like next level thinking, um, you know, it might work out for them. And I, look, I was obviously halfway joking when I said that. And Austin, I appreciate you coming up and talking with us today. Uh, I, I mean, I was halfway joking, but like in a way, when you think about it, like obviously they didn't want to be in an 03 hole, but you know, it's happened now and we know how they play an elimination game. So, I mean, why not take that mentality? Why not? And uh, somebody in the chat there mentioned that Greg Anthony talked about the screens that uh, Bullock and Finney Smith were setting last night that, you know, when they were rolling off of those screens, they were doing so in a way that created a little bit more space for Luka uh, than what we've seen in previous games. So uh, that's definitely – that's an adjustment that can be sustained. Uh, you, you give Luka a little bit more space uh, to operate with and, you know, who knows what can happen. So uh, – Okay, going to bring up our next guest here, Breland. Breland, what's up? How you doing? Hey, can you hear me? Hey, well, there's a little bit of stuff going on in the background, but I do hear you. Yeah, it's, 
I'm at work right now, so I'm on my lunch break. So it's like I'm not, uh, I won't waste too much of your time. But um, what you got for us? Yeah. It, so what? I mean, what you got for us today? Um. Well, I uh, Twan in the in the chat just mentioned the uh, Dorian Finney Smith cuts. Um, as an as an attack for the uh zone that they bring up. Um I would, that was actually gonna be my one of my questions to you. Uh, what would be some ways to attack the three two zone so we won't have to, you know because it's it's like whenever they go on a big run it's a, a lot of the times it's because of the three two zone. Well, and I mean, Jason Kidd said it after the game last night too. And Breland, I appreciate you coming and talking with us for a, for a little bit. Uh, you know, the the way Kidd put it was, it's a huge compliment to the Mavs that Golden State had to go to a two three zone. That's basically them admitting we we're not able to guard you guys one on one. So now we're going to throw this at you, and, you know, if, if you figure it out and you hit shots, great. If not, maybe we have a chance to come back. But, uh, man, that, <laughs> that that's something that, you know, if the Mavs can keep shooting like they did in game four and the Warriors keep playing that zone, I don't know how sustainable it is. I mean, I know it kind of shocked the Mavs last night and, uh, in that fourth quarter, and it was mainly with that group that started uh, the fourth quarter. But you know, if Luca and the rest of the starters are in there and they're trying to play, I don't, I don't think that's sustainable for the Warriors. So maybe they have figured out something there. All I know is that the off-ball movement for the Mavs is is vitally important. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons the Warriors had so much success. Uh, you know, leading up to that point. In game four, you know, all of their guys are always moving, making great cuts. Uh, the Mavs did a good job defending those cuts last night, too. You know, I, Dinwiddie and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Bullock, you know, they were anticipating some of those Draymond Green cut passes and, you know, from some of their other guys. So kudos to them for, you know, being alert. That's how you have to play versus the Warriors. And then on the offensive end, they had some guys cutting themselves, you know, not just Dorian Finney-Smith, but even Luca. He cut to the basket a few times, and it looked great. I mean, they need more of that. You know, Luca can't just stand at the three-point line with the shot clock running down uh, and then try to spam, pick, and roll the Warriors all game long. Like, you, you have to – he needs to pass it to Dinwiddie or, like, when Frank – there was a really nice back-and-forth exchange with Nilakina. Uh, I believe in the second quarter, he, he passed it. He, he was one-on-one. He passed it to Nilakina, uh, acted like he was coming back towards Nilakina, and then he cut to the basket and got a really nice layup uh, that could have been an and-one, but Draymond Green decided to back off of it. So they need more of that going into game five. And if they do, I mean, again, like these are two good teams. I mean, the Warriors are really good. They're a dynasty team. They're finally, you know, getting what's the word? They're finally putting their chemistry together uh, after having Draymond Green injured for a lot of the season, and uh, Curry was out for a while. So, you know, they're finally starting to put it together, and you see the flashes 
of the team that won three titles together. But, you know, the Mavs are really good too. And they had chances to win games two and three. And I just don't see, you know, if they if they win game five, like I said uh, earlier in the pod, it's going to get really weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, like I put on Twitter earlier today, somebody, I think it was Kirk Henderson. Yeah, it was Kirk. He, uh, he said something about uh, if the Mavs come back and, and make history. And I was just like, Kirk, if that happens, I'm not going to be here for the finals because they're going to have to put me back in Twitter jail. If that happens, I'm going to be insufferable on the timeline if that happens. But anyway, okay, on to our next guest, uh, Patrick. He's return return guest. Patrick, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. Let me go to my... Yes, sir. Look, I don't know what's going on with that profile picture, but I absolutely love it. It's a, it's a bumblebee with Boban's head on it. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the Boban bee. Uh, I can't actually remember where it came from, but I, I think it was in the uh, Utah Jazz series. But um, yeah, it's weird that um, the, the NBA is actually the only league in a seven-game format that hasn't had a team come back from down 3-0. So, I mean, it's time, right? <laughs> to put it lightly, uh, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen at some point. I mean, whether it's whether it's the team that's up 3-0, you know, if they end up having a major injury or, you know, you just you just give a team too much life and uh, give them confidence. I mean, at some point, it's going to happen. It's happened in every other uh, professional sport except for the NBA. So, well, that does seven-game series. So it, it's bound to happen at some point. And the fact that the Mavs, you know, have the, the best player in the series – helps too so i I mean i'm again i'm not predicting that it's going to happen i'm just saying if it did would we really be shocked given what we've seen from this team this year no i mean i think you hit it perfectly like i saw a stat of course nick wright who is our famous mavericks supporter other than charles barkley at least we finally broke the curse of him picking the mavs to win and they actually won so uh, uh, so, yeah, it was nice to break that curse, and um, I forgot where I was going with that now. But uh, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I, got- I don't know what that was, but it sounded like somebody laughing maniacally. Oh, it's my uh, GPS that gives me route to work. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, the next game. I mean, I know that the Warriors and Mavericks—they've won like the same amount of quarters each. You know. So, really, they haven't really dominated us. It's just been that third quarter, which we came out today and really responded well there. But, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I think we got a real shot here. I just don't understand. You know, I, I mentioned it last night that, uh, you know, for the most part, the Mavs have, especially if you're going, like, by on a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis, like, yes, the Warriors have had some some really good closing quarters especially in the third quarter but if you're just going on a quarter by quarter basis the Mavs have you know pretty much outplayed the Warriors for three out of these four games like just just from an overall standpoint obviously they lost the first three games so you know if you're looking at it from that kind of standpoint you know it doesn't make much sense but just just on a just on a more dissected level 
they've played well. And like I mentioned before, they've gotten the same quality of shots. Uh, that shot quality uh, website, they, they do analytics and stuff. And after every game, you know, they they're, uh, they generate uh, or their formula or whatever, they generate these graphics that shows, you know, what the final score was. And then based on their shot quality numbers, it shows uh, – you know, what the score probably should have been <laughs> based on the wide open shots that the Mavs are expected to make. And for the first three games, you know, they called it an upset, uh, you know, for the Mavs that they should have won those first three games based on the open looks they got and they didn't hit. So that was, and Christian just said it in the chat, said that was depressing. I agree. It was very depressing. It's like after every game, I was like, I can't wait for shot quality to post this showing how the Mavs are actually up 3-0 <laughs> when it comes to the shots they've taken. But uh, that's why I say it's been much more competitive than what the series score shows. And I mean, look, it was even if they can't come back, and and win this series or even push it to a game six. I mean, I'm just glad they came out in game four and, and showed some pride, showed some some guts, and you know, not get swept. That uh, getting swept is embarrassing. Uh, you, you don't want that. I mean, uh, you already had. There were so many. I, I've had a handful of new Warriors followers on uh, on Twitter since this series has begun, and I've seen a bunch of people you know, posting memes of, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond riding in on horses towards the American Airlines Center holding brooms. And, you know, they were fully ready for that sweep to happen. And I'm just, I'm so glad it did not happen. <laughs> if the Mavs can come out and force a game six, uh, you know, whatever happens at American Airlines Center in game six, I will accept it. But I just, I don't want this thing to end, uh at Chase Center in San Francisco on, on Thursday night. So we'll see how it goes. But, Patrick, anything else before we take off here? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, if you would have told me four years ago that we'd be in the Western Conference Finals and would have traded KP, who we traded so much to get, I would have took it. But, yeah, let's, let's make it happen, Mavs in seven. Uh, it, when that happens, just you might as well shut Twitter down for the remainder because – Man, what a Luca's legacy would—he'd be in the Hall of Fame. You got to put him in after this season. I'm not kidding. If the Mavs do end up winning this series in seven, they're going to put me back in Twitter jail. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm not going to be available for the finals. I'll be with all of y'all in spirit. So <laughs> I'm just giving y'all fair warning. Uh, if if that does happen, it could be the end of playoff Dalton on Twitter. But anyway. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Look, the, the Mavs, they're, again, they're more than capable. They've made things at least fun uh, by, by winning one game in this series, and they've shown that they're capable of, of, uh, of doing so going forward. When you have a guy that's won all-NBA first team, uh, Luca made the first team for the third time in his first four seasons yesterday, which is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> he's 23 years old, and he's been an All-NBA first-teamer three times in four years. When you have a guy like that on your team, you're going to have a chance to win every night, and I'm just thrilled at the at the development, not just of him, but of this team. Uh, you know, Nico Harrison, he, he, he shook things up by trading KP, but, 
you know, he really hasn't put, put his full imprint, uh, him and Jay Kidd, they haven't put their full imprint on this roster yet. They have the blueprint. It's there. It works. Now they just need to go and, you know, fill it in and uh, make it a more complete thing to where, you know, next postseason you don't have situations where, you know, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith are just run ragged because of all the minutes they're playing. I mean, I know we want a second star. I know, you know, everybody's wanting a, a new starting center. I think all of those things are true. The Mavs could, you know, definitely upgrade in those departments. But, you know, at the very least, they need to get a couple of, you know, backup wings or just guys that uh, that are more serviceable uh, when, when Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock sit. You know, because we—I mean—they've shown this team has made it to the Western Conference Finals, so they're—they've shown they're capable. If they can just increase their depth, I think they'll be good for years to come. But guys, I appreciate y'all joining me for a little bit today. Be, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That enters you for a chance to win uh, future Mavs ticket giveaways that we do, and we are also uh, gonna give away some. Luca shirts here in the near future. We've got a couple of really cool designs up on T Public. Uh, you can see that link pinned on the Step Back Mavs uh, Twitter account. So be sure to go do that, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing a recap pod either Thursday night or Friday around this same time. Uh, you know, talking about how the Mavs forced a Game Six. We'll see how it goes, though. Y'all have a good week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.